welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 30th of August 2015, entitled, Hell is Not a Place on Earth, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Very good evening. Um, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 19 down to verse 31. You'd like to stand, please, for the honour of reading God's word. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the reading of your word this evening. We just pray that you'll help us, dear Lord, um, as we go through these verses tonight. Speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> I think it was last week um, I preached a message entitled, um, Why Heaven is Not a Place on Earth. And um, the reason why this uh, sermon came to me was because I met uh, a young lady in Dudley on the streets uh, when I was doing some outreach. Uh, and I asked her if she believed in heaven. And uh, she told me that this was her heaven here upon the earth. And uh, I shared three reasons with you last week why heaven is not a place on earth. And I'm going to share tonight why hell is not a place on earth. And um, at the start of this um, message tonight, we need to realize that this is not a parable. It's a literal story. It's got the names of literal men uh, of God who were in the Bible. And um, this is a literal account of something that happened. Um, so that's important to, uh, to start off with. Um, 
quite a few times on the streets, I've met people uh, if I've, uh, and I've asked them, do they believe in hell? And I've met people that say to me, this is hell. This is it right now. This is as bad as it gets. And you know, some of those people are going through hard times and they've had some real hard trials, maybe some trials that I've never even, I've never even, even thought about. And they have gone through a hell, but I want to show you tonight, according to the Bible, according to the words of Jesus here, that hell is not a place on earth. And I like to give three reasons why. The first reason can be found in verse 19, and it's because that on earth, the lost often fare sumptuously. In hell, they don't. Let's have a look at verse 19. On earth, the lost often fare sumptuously, but in hell, they don't. In verse 19, we read, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. What does fare sumptuously mean? Well, let's just break that up, okay, into two parts. Um, to fare means to progress. It means to succeed and to prosper. Sumptuously means luxurious, magnificent, grand, costly, princely, expensive, palatial, impressive, imposing. Okay, there are many descriptive words there. But that's what it basically means, to fare sumptuously. And this man, this rich man that we're looking at tonight, was a man who progressed in his riches so much that it was imposing. Okay? Um, let's just have a look in verse 19 at the progress that he made in his riches. We see, first of all, that this rich man progressed in his money. It says, there was a certain rich man. Okay, this man didn't know about poverty. This man was rich. He had money. Um, he also would have been a man who would have made, most likely had position and prestige as well. Verse 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple. If you do a study of uh, the color purple in the Bible, uh, you'll see that purple signifies royalty. It also signifies uh, the priestly garments that the priest wore in the Old Testament. Uh, remember the Lord Jesus Christ? He wore a robe, didn't he? A purple robe. They mocked him when they put that on him because he said he was the king of the Jews. But this man, uh, we see here, was clothed in purple. Okay? Uh, we also see that he would have been a man that progressed in his clothes. It says, and fine linen. Okay? He had the... I don't know what the top names are today. I can't think off my head right now. One or two of you will probably uh, know those names. Uh, but this was a man who had fine linen. He had the best of clothes because he was a rich man and he could afford them. Um, not only that, but we see at the end of the verse that uh, his luxury was unrelenting. It says here that he fared sumptuously every day. Okay. This is not just once every five years, maybe when he got a pay rise. This was every single day. He fared sumptuously. Um, the ungodly 
When I'm speaking tonight about the lost, I'm not talking about people who don't have a map and can't find their way around the city. I'm talking about people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet as their own personal saviour, the lost. That's how the Bible describes people without Jesus tonight. Um, The ungodly lost tonight, they often fare sumptuously upon the earth. Um, Let me just turn to a few scriptures. Uh, Job knew about this. Job chapter 12. You go to the Psalms, the middle of your Bible, and just turn back to one book. And uh, Job chapter 12. And Job says here something about um, uh, the ungodly that prospered. He says in verse 6, he says that the tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. Incredible, isn't it? Mm. The lost, the ungodly, often prosper uh, upon the earth. You know, it makes me think back a few weeks ago, well, it was in May now, actually, um, seven o'clock in the morning, and I heard my, my dog, he was barking his head off, and uh, I thought, oh, it's probably just I don't know, uh, a fox or something in the garden. Um, there was a robber, they call it, in our passageway that, we, that leads down to our house. Seven o'clock in the morning, we've cut us, Cuts, the, um, cuts my chain off my bike, climbs over the fence and rides off on it, okay? Uh, he's a thief, he's a robber. That's how the Bible describes him. He's taken something that doesn't belong to him. He may still have it right now. Um, it makes me think as well that sometimes it seems like they're prospering, doesn't it? It seems like they've really they've got away with it. And when I think about this person... I think about him riding my bike down the road, a nice new, brand new bike that I bought. And I think, wow, that, that doesn't seem right. He's prospering. He's got my bike, the bike that I saved up for. Well, that's the earth that we're living on, isn't it? Um, the ungodly often prosper here upon the earth. Um, we think back in our own nation, even back a few years ago, what about the bankers? You know, the bankers were taking money, weren't they? And uh, the, the country was going down in the economy. And what happened? Did they pay it back? Not really. We've had to pay it back, haven't we? Uh, it doesn't seem fair. But that's what happens. The ungodly lost, they often fare sumptuously here upon the earth. Let's just turn to uh, Psalm 73 because we could get very downcast tonight if we looked at the prosperity of the lost, of the ungodly, of, of the wicked tonight. and uh, But I don't want you to be. But this is how the psalmist, he saw it in Psalm 73. And, uh, you know, this man, this psalmist started to be downcast. Let's just have a read from verse 1. And we'll read down to verse 12. And um, the psalmist says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me... My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. 
Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And don't just think that because we are Christians here today and we are king's kids that um, we are to prosper financially. It's not always the case, okay? Um, We are going to prosper that way one day when, when we get to glory, you know? We're going to be walking on streets of gold one day, but we're not there yet. Okay, we're still walking on streets of tarmac and uh, broken flagstones if you're walking near where I live. Um, but the ungodly here, as this psalmist sees it, they often prosper in the world. And you know, it doesn't seem fair that the ungodly fare while the innocent suffer until you realize their end. Let's just have a look at the end. Uh, of the ungodly, because it's not sumptuous, but the Bible describes it as slippery. Um, just turn to verse 17. Oops, of my psalm. I've just lost that. Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and we're just going to read verse 17. And um, the psalmist says, let's just go back a bit. To, um, verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. See, he was living a clean and a good upright life and he thinks, oh, you know, all this I've done and look what's happening. Look how these are prospering. Verse 14, For all the day long have I been played and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I fought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Notice what it says in verse 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. We see that this downcast psalmist, he looked at the prosperity of the wicked, but then he realized the end. And you know, so often we only see, we're very short-sighted and we just see temporal. We don't see the end, but we need to look at the end and we need to see and we need to see what's important and we need to get priorities right in our life. And the number one priority is the Lord and living for God, not the riches. Um, You know that rock stars, they often say that um, when they die, that they're going to have a rock and roll party in hell. I don't know if you've heard this. I've heard them say it. I've heard people say that about them. And they really believe that one day when they leave this life, because they're rock and rollers, they're, they're going to have a rock and roll party down there in hell together. And what a party it's going to be. 
You know, and you think of all the great big names of these rockers, and they're all going to have a great time strumming the guitars together, playing the drums, smoking this and that. I once, um, I won't mention the, the group right now, but I, I used to listen to a heavy metal group, and uh, I can tell you I had all their albums. I would have gone to have seen them in concert if I had an opportunity, but I didn't. Um, but one of the, the, the lines of their songs was, Hell ain't a bad place to be. And I used to love singing that song. Yeah, I didn't have any concept really about what hell, hell was all about. Hell ain't a bad place to be. But let me tell you tonight, dear friends, that hell is a bad place to be. Um, Jesus describes hell four times in our reading in Luke tonight as a place of torment, okay? Um, just before we get to verse 23, we see here that um, these two people died, Lazarus, who was, the, who was the beggar, and the rich man, they both died, okay? Um, the Lazarus, the beggar, was carried away into Abraham's bosom, which is um, symbolic, if you like, of uh, paradise. It's like heaven. And uh, the rich man, he died, he was buried, and uh, we read where he is in verse 23. And he says, and in hell, okay? This is where the, uh, the lost man is, even tonight, okay? Um, Jesus describes hell four times in our reading tonight as torment, okay? The verses are verse 23, 24, 25, and 28. And uh, the, the, the word that we have here, hell, is being translated from a Greek word, which is basanos. It might be where we get our word base from, okay? But basanos um, has at least three meanings to the word. The first one means going to the bottom. The second one means acute pain. And the third one means torture. And we can see these three things in our scripture here. Um, let's just go through each one of them. But in verse 23, we see this rich man going to the bottom. He says in verse 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes. Now, you lift up your eyes usually when you are below, don't you? When you're down there somewhere and you're looking up, okay? Um, let's just turn to Isaiah chapter 14 because here we see um, Lucifer, and we see very clear in the, script, in the scriptures that when uh, a lost person goes to hell, that he doesn't go up, but the Bible describes it as going down, okay? Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, and this is uh, the future uh, for Lucifer, for the devil, and uh, this is exactly what the Bible has prophesied is going to happen to him. Verse 14, remember that... Um, that Lucifer said that he was going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. He says, I will be like the most high. And the scripture comes back to him and says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Okay? So we see here very clearly that um, this man, this rich man, his end was the pit. Okay? The base. Um, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been uh, down in a cave anywhere, 
Um, I remember years ago when we went on a school trip, um, we went to visit and to look at some stalactites or stalagmites, one of the two. And uh, we went down very, very, very deep into the earth. And um, I can tell you that that was a fearful experience, you know. Um, and I knew that I was going to get back up there. But even so, to be down there was quite a fearful experience. And uh, this reminds me, uh, do you remember, uh, not long ago, it was uh, 2010, the Chilean miners. Okay, remember? Um, 33 Chilean, miner, uh, Chilean miners in a place called Copiapo in the north of Chile. Um, they were down there in, the, in this mine. It was actually 2,300 feet in the earth, okay? And um, something, uh, the earth moved, and they were trapped down there below, 2,300 feet, okay? And uh, they were down there um, in a cave. And all these Chileans really could do, these miners, was to look up and hope that some help would come to them. Um, there was a, a note that was actually passed and got to the top of the, um, of the mine, okay? And I don't know if you, if you read it, you know, it's in Spanish, maybe uh, Irish read it. Um, it actually said, Estamos, where are we? Estamos bien en el refugio, los treinta tres. Does anybody know what that means, except for Angelica? And... Go on there. Yep. Um, estamos bien en el refugio, los treinta tres. Refugio. Yes. That's right. Okay, that was the message that came. 33 of the miners were here in the refuge. And we're okay. And I tell you, when that was read out, there was joy. There was joy. Well, that's not what this rich man said when he was down there. Um, we're going we're gonna to see exactly what, what he said in a few moments. Um, but going down to the bottom, that is one uh, meaning of the word hell. The second one is acute pain. We see that in verse 24. Okay. Um, it says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24, and it says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And we see here that this rich man was and is, experiencing a literal acute pain that's physical, okay? Um, you know, there are a lot of people that don't believe that um, hell is a literal fiery place, you know? Some people believe it's just a figment of an imagination. But Jesus spoke about hell, people say, more times than he spoke about heaven. Why did he do that? He did it to warn us that we would not go there. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, if you just turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, and here we see how literal this place is. Mark chapter 9 and verse 45, and um, here Jesus is teaching that, you know, it's better to be in this life 
and to not have a limb, maybe to be without an arm um, or a leg, okay, uh, than to go into hell and to have both. And he says in verse 45, he says, If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. You see, it's a literal and it's an eternal fire. This is hell. This is what Jesus is describing. This is Jesus describing where this rich man has gone to. Um, let me just give you a, a quote of um, a well-known uh, preacher who doesn't take hell, really, as a literal place. And this is what he said in uh, the year 1983. I, I, I do hope he's changed his view by now. But he said that Jesus used three words to describe hell. The third word that he used is fire. Jesus used the symbol over and over. This could be literal, as many believe, or it could be symbolic. I've often thought that this fire could possibly be a burning thirst for God that is never quenched. So it's basically what he's saying here is that it's not a literal, but it's just symbolic of somebody that is separated from God and he has a desire and a thirst for God. I don't believe that's what the scripture is teaching because if this is symbolic, why would this rich man, why would he want a physical finger dipped into physical water to cool his physical tongue from a physical flame? Why? It's a physical flame. Jesus says that, that it's, it's a literal place and it's a place of torment. Um, thirdly, uh, hell is also described as a place of torture. Verse 25, uh, we see this. Um, Abraham says, uh, sorry, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. It's fixed, okay? This man had and has the torture of knowing that there is a great gulf fixed that, shall, that will never, will never be gapped. And he had the torture of that separation from his loved ones, those whom he knew, those whom he cared about. And it reminds me again of the Chilean miners. You know, when these miners were down actually half a mile under the ground for 69 days, they were without their loved ones. They, didn't, they never knew if they would see their loved ones again. And these Chilean miners were tortured and did suffer depression and still do even today um, because they thought, am I ever going to see the, my loved ones ever again? The good news is, is that they did. But the bad news for the rich man is that he has no hope of seeing them again. That's it. Um, these miners today are free from the torture of that separation, but the lost stay separated. Hell is not a place on earth, 
because the lost fare sumptuously, but in hell they do not. The second point, and these next two points are a little bit shorter. Um, the second reason why hell is not a place on earth is because on hell, uh, sorry, on earth, the lost still have mercy. In hell, they do not. Let's just have a look at verse 26. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Then Jesus says, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And we see here that this lost man in verse 24, he cries out for mercy, but he realizes that his chance for mercy is gone, and it's gone for good. He realizes that this gap cannot be gapped, cannot be bridged. He cannot go over it. And he's realizing now that his mercy is gone. There is no mercy. There are no answered prayers in hell. What's the definition of mercy tonight? Well, I've got it from the dictionary, just a few um, descriptions. And um, in the, in the dictionary, it describes mercy as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. You see, God has the power tonight to show mercy because he has the power to punish and to harm. He has the power to have compassion and forgiveness tonight. And that's God's heart tonight. God doesn't want to punish. He doesn't want to condemn people. The Bible makes it very clear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's our Savior tonight. We've been singing tonight about the mercy of the Savior. He's a wonderful Savior tonight. And if he saved you tonight, you know about it. But the Scripture makes it very clear that after we die, it's too late for compassion and it's too late for forgiveness and mercy. It does not exist. There is no second chance after this life, like all those religions teach out there, you know? That's what man's religion tries to encourage people with. But the truth of what Jesus is saying here about the rich man is that there will be no mercy after we leave this earth. Mercy is to be found here today in this life while we're alive. Scripture makes it clear that after we die, the Bible says it's the judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27. Psalm 92 verse 7 declares that the lost will be destroyed forever. Psalm 112 and verse 10 says that the lost's desire for mercy will perish. It will be gone. There's no mercy shown towards this man that I can read of here in the Scriptures. But praise God tonight, we have mercy upon this earth right now. The mercy of God, and it's wonderful. We have, in our scripture reading, we have three types of mercy. First of all, we see the mercy of provision. In verse 25 at the beginning, uh, Abraham says to this rich man, he says, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime 
receivest thy good things. That's the mercy of the provision of God. There's a verse in the Bible, I think it's the Lord Jesus, he says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. We only have to walk out of those doors tonight, and we can see the provisions that God gives to those who are Christians and to those who are not. They're, fr- they're, they're, they're given to all people around the world. We have the rain. We have the sun. We have the food. We have love from people, from parents, from family. God is good. He is. God is a God of provision. Even before you were a Christian, God provided for you. He's provided life for you in his mercy and in his love. That's wonderful. That's our God tonight. He doesn't say, oh, you're a sinner that I'm going to hold these these important things back from you. No. He gives them, but he requires and he expects that we give him thanks back. But often we don't. We take things for granted. We do. Remember the psalmist who said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you know, when you look back on your life, you need to thank God for the mercy that he's shown to you in your life, for the wonderful provisions that he's given to you. Children, wonderful. Husbands and wives. Not only do we see the provision of, of uh, the, the mercy of provision, but we see the mercy of Scripture as well. Verse 24, um, again, and he cried and said, Father Abraham. You know, when these words, um, when, when this rich man saw uh, Abraham, he knew Abraham from the Scriptures, and he knew that he was his father because he was of the tribe of Israel. And that's why he could say, Father Abraham. Not only that, but we see in verse 28, we see, is it verse 28? Hang on. Yeah, verse, um, sorry, verse 31, we see that this rich man also knew about Moses and the prophets. This was a man who knew some scripture. He knew these names. Maybe in the synagogue he'd heard about these people. But we see here that God, in his mercy, had given him, in his lifetime, knowledge of Scripture. Maybe he'd heard the stories way back when, remember when Isaac sacrificed Isaac? Yeah? And uh, Abraham said, son, you know, you're not going to be sacrificed on this altar, but God shall provide a lamb for himself. And this was looking to the future Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would take away the sins of the whole world. Not only that, but Leviticus 17, verse 11, he knew about the blood. The Bible says that the blood is the life of the soul. And God had given the blood as an atonement for the forgiveness of sins. This man must have had a knowledge, some kind of knowledge, of how he could have his sins forgiven. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 8, about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that it redeems us, that precious blood that he shed on the cross for each and every one of us here tonight. He did it so that we would not go to that place called hell. 
He did it to save us. I wonder tonight, have you received that redemption in Christ? The mercy of Scripture. But lastly, we see here also the mercy I've written down here of today. The mercy of today. Um, Let's just turn to a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The mercy of today. And, you know, we need to thank God for every day that we have. And um, we see here that Paul, he puts things into perspective. He says in verse 2, For he, this is God, saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succoured thee. Behold, what's the next word? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And here we see again the mercy of God of today. God is the God of today. He's the God of now. And he's the God who gives opportunity now for us. If we're not Christians, he gives an opportunity for you tonight to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you for all of your sins and accept his forgiveness. That's wonderful. The mercy of God, the mercy of today. Romans 5 and verse 8. Gareth this morning said that this is one of his favorite verses to to share with people about the forgiveness of, of God and his mercy and his love. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's brilliant. That's our God tonight, merciful God. If this man had cried for mercy on earth, like he was crying for mercy in hell, this man would have been saved. But unfortunately, he missed the opportunity. Hell is not a place on earth Because on earth, the lost still have mercy, but in hell, it's gone, and it's gone forever. And thirdly tonight, the third reason why hell is not a place here on earth is because from earth, the lost hear the call to repentance, and not from hell. Um, Just turn to verse 27 and verse 28. Jesus says, then he said, Sorry, this is, yeah, this is what the rich man said. Then he said, when he realizes he's no mercy, he says, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And we see here that this lost man thought that he could get a message to his loved ones, from hell via heaven down to this earth. This is what he thought. He thought, well, if I've no mercy, if I've no chance, what about my family? Surely they can hear the message. Surely you could send a missionary down there. And we see here that this man thinks that he can get a message, a desperate message, to his loved ones from hell via heaven to this earth. But we see that no missionary call has ever been sent from hell. No missionary has ever been sent from hell. Let's just, um, as, I, as I wrote that down, I thought 
Have you ever thought what a good idea it might be for God to send a missionary from hell to this earth? Because can you imagine the zeal? Can you imagine the desperation of the people that are in that place right now who want to see their loved ones saved? What better, what better person, what better place could a missionary come from and to go out with the gospel? You, the zeal, the desperation. You know, when we look at ourselves sometimes, we look so inadequate, don't we? And so half-hearted. But I could guarantee that if somebody from hell went, they may have a, a different, they, they may have a different zeal to reach lost people about the message of hell. But we know it's not like that. God doesn't send angels from heaven either to preach the gospel. In fact, missionaries are sent from the earth. And God chooses you tonight, dear friends. If you're a Christian, God has chosen you to be a missionary to your family, to your friends, and to your loved ones all around you. He's chosen you. How do we know that? Well, Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, he says, Go ye, which means you. Go ye, his disciples, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's God's desire tonight. There's still mercy. There's still time. And that's God's message for this church at Bethel in Ward End. We, as a church, are to go with the gospel and we're to preach it to every creature that we can while there's time. Why? Because we want people not to go to that place, that this rich man is in there tonight. We want them to get saved. Wonderful. Just notice in verse uh, 29, because Jesus says here that the lost need to hear the scriptures. He says, uh, Abraham saith unto him, you remember that uh, th this rich man, He's saying, you know, send somebody to my five brethren that they can testify to them that they don't come to this place of torment. In verse 29, Abraham says unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What's Jesus saying here? He's basically saying, let them hear the scriptures. Let them hear the word of God. Let them hear them. And that's what God wants those tonight outside of those doors, and maybe, I don't know if there's one in here tonight who's not a Christian, hear the Scriptures. Hear the Word of God. You know, there are some people who, they feel that the Scripture's not enough. They feel as though that we need to have something a bit more uplifting, a bit more entertaining something that the world are going to listen to. What about a miracle? Surely they're going to come to faith through seeing a miracle happen. Surely we don't really need the scriptures when we've got miracles, do we? Well, Jesus also answers this as well uh, through Abraham. But just notice in verse 30 and verse 31, and he said, Nay, Father, this rich man is saying, No, the scriptures are not enough. Moses is not enough. The word of God is not enough. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. 
He's saying the scriptures are just not good enough. But if you do a miracle, they'll believe then. My family will believe then. But in verse 31, and he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Not by the word of miracles, but the word of God. And tonight, dear friend, if you're not a Christian here tonight, you've heard the word of God. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to accept it, believe it, and get saved and be on the way to glory? Or will you reject it, just like this rich man who's still there today in that place called hell? The Bible says that one day hell is going to be thrown into a lake of fire. It's not going to get better. It's going to be thrown into a lake of fire, and it's an eternal place. Well, Jesus tonight, he warns us to flee that place. He's done all that he can for our salvation. Wonderful. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, we just thank you for the scriptures tonight. And dear Lord, we just pray that if there is one that's lost here tonight in our meeting, a precious soul that you love, who's never become a Christian, we pray that tonight will be the night that they will receive your mercy and receive that wonderful redemption from Jesus. May they call upon the name of the Lord tonight and get saved. And Lord, for those of us who have been saved, we thank you, dear Lord, for that wonderful salvation message. And Lord, we do pray that you'll forgive us for being half-hearted sometimes in our telling other people. But Lord, help us tonight, as we've heard, that Lord, it's the scriptures that people need to hear. And we need to tell them. You say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us to be those people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.